your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined as always by Ryan, following Everton's 1-2 to two loss to Aston Villa at home, the 205th top flight meeting between Villa and Everton. Most played fixture in England's top division. Villa have won 75 times to Everton 76, with 54 draws thrown in the mix as well. We've got him. We're up on him. We're up on him. Not after today, though, or yesterday, rather. Mm, yeah. Everton have won just one of their last 10 home games, three draws and six losses. That 1-0 victory against Southampton in March, the only time we've won at Goodison. In our last 10, Ryan, instant match reaction. Everton eighth in the table and uh, the glimmer of Europe fading day by day. This one felt different. I, I keep continually harping on things that don't feel like referendums and all things Everton football club, you know, things like at Brighton where we literally had every midfielder out except for Tom Davies. And I agree. That's not typical of where we're at, man today. I don't know what it was. And when we get into the lineup, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but there were a couple individuals that just brought the whole side down in my opinion. Um, and some other guys weren't kind of at the top of their game, but it's a collective game. It's a fluid game. And if a couple parts are missing or not firing, you know, it's it can be pretty ugly, and it certainly was ugly at times. Yeah, and look, we've we've made a lot. A lot's been made of the injury crisis at Everton, and while we do still have a couple guys out, and of course, Hamas being a late scratch after injuring himself in the warm up, this is a relatively strong Everton team that, by all accounts, probably should have been able to beat Villa, and yet we're at home, and you know, with this loss, it would put us at. 15th in the home table. We're fourth in the away table. It's just kind of head scratching. Obviously, Decore, I think, is, is kind of like that key guy in midfield that yeah brings everything together. But I, I don't really see there being very many excuses to lean on. Injuries have been the kind of caveat we've had to consider, and we're finally somewhat healthy. And we still turn out performances like this, and it just makes you scratch your head and wonder what exactly we're doing here. The tragedy of it all is, is that really, it just puts us behind the eight ball for Europe, you know, staring at the table right now. And I mean, I, I get, even if we could pull out a win against West Ham, which is not impossible, but if we could, I mean, that puts us, you know, even with them, but Spurs, you know, had a four nil victory that vaults them. I mean, eventually someone else is going to have to drop down and Liverpool's above us now, but we know they have a relatively easy schedule going forward. It's disappointing. And that being said, it does goes to show that, you know, when we don't have Hamas out there, we don't create as much, although we created some today. Uh, but yeah, I, I still think it was more. It was enough. We, we should have had enough to beat this team, especially with Grealish out. Um, right. To me, it was more of an individual performance thing. Kudos to Prague Toffee Tom from our Discord server that did get the prediction correct. And no, he did not change that after the match like some other people have done um trying to cheat well he did do it right after the lineups were announced so that was fair a lot of other people didn't you know his comment was no james is a killer and yes in many ways it was although honestly i think the bigger issue was the defending and just some yes. basic stuff really um and you're right the lineup was strong um the james injury definitely hurt 
Um, I, I don't know what your thought was about some of the selections, though. Uh, he did choose some people over some others that I, I found a little bit mystifying. I'm kind of curious your take on it. Yeah, it, it is a little strange to see someone like Andre Gomez, who's, you know, when he, what he brings to the side on his good days, uh, which seem to be few and far between as of late is just so far overshadowed And the lack of mobility in that midfield, I think is really just a killer for us. And obviously losing James, you know, you, you kind of planned on moving, keeping Gilfie in like that wide area. You have to move Alex Awobi in at the very last minute on the right, put Gilfie at the 10 and, just the center back selection is, is really baffling to me because you've got a healthy Michael Keane coming back. You've got Yerry Mina, either he's not fully fit or there's something else going on behind the scenes. I, I don't understand the Mason Holgate, Ben Godfrey partnership, the youth and inexperience there and the lack of discipline. And it, and it bit us very early and, and frankly continued to throughout most of the match, the, the lack of organization in that central midfield, you can't rely on Allen to protect them the entire 90 minutes. The Holgate selection is mystifying to me. I mean, it'd be one thing if he was playing. Godfrey has at least been playing well when he's been played out of position, you know, in the wide spaces he's played, at least defensively. I mean, yeah. I, I look, if he's playing out there, you're not going to expect him to be dashing forward like Luca Dean or anything. But Holgate's, I, I, I mean, he hasn't played a good match in a very long time. Um, he's been making mistakes after mistake. He looks very much like the player before last year. Who is constantly reckless, um, and and I don't understand that selection. And Andre doesn't make sense with the lawn or with Gilfie in the middle. I, I I don't understand why he continues to pick Gilfie Sigurdsson. I I guess I understand a little bit of it, um, set pieces. Uh, but we've established the fact he's not creative from open play. Didn't create any chances again tonight. And um, Andre in particular baffles me. Uh, we know he's not going to be a good defensive player even on his best day. Uh, if the idea was to pressure these guys high, because that's probably the only area the pitch defensively occasionally can make a play, that's fine. But he's terrible in the final third and has been for a very long time. And is the intent here to possess the ball a lot? Because we sure as heck didn't do that. I mean, it failed on every level, really. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. It just did. And we'll get into it more, too. But um, And the Villa lineup is decent, but, I mean, they're missing Jack Grealish. Uh, Morgan Sanson's out. So Ross Barkley's kind of jumping in on the 10 and, you know, you've got El Ghazi who's a decent player out left and Treori, who I really like always liked. Um, I thought maybe we should have taken a run at him a little while ago, but again, we've had bloated rosters. So the idea that we would be buying guys for filler positions is just not, you know, hopefully this summer will change that. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, it was a relatively strong lineup for them, though, besides those guys, although those guys are really good players. And certainly the overall talent on this side without Grealish and Sanson is a decent replacement on that 10 it is not great. I mean, this is not a fantastic side. They're decent. Um, certainly, if you look at the talent on the pitch, uh, they shouldn't have been shouldn't have dominated us. That's for sure. So um, anyway, uh, I, I don't know. Last thoughts on lineup. Yeah, it was, I mean, just the Hamas calf. I mean, the guy is, is barely held together at this point, just so fragile, unfortunately, because we obviously know what an immense talent he is. Yep. And look, we have, uh, safe to say we've we've defended Alex Wobie a fair amount, but the drop-off there is is stark and uh, <clears throat> drastic. So, it, Well, it's especially hard. Alex it playing outright. I mean, it, right, you know, exactly. again, again, I, I you know, and it, we can get to that too. I mean, he's the one guy out here that's playing out of position in this lineup. 
again. Um, I, I don't know why that continues to be, but I, you don't really have any other alternatives. I, I think if anything, Alex deserves a little credit for sucking it up and continually playing on his wrong side. But you saw it even early where he's just not as good. You know, I mean, he's cutting inside on his left. It's not a strong foot. So you take away his goal scoring, not that he was ever a great goal scorer, but at least he's a threat to score a goal and it backs someone off and he could throw a pass. He really didn't get going until, you know, he had a couple early moments, got going a little bit later, but certainly not enough. But again, it's just not the ideal position for him. But let's talk about our tactical setup real quick. Um, for Villa, you know, typically they would sit back. They've been a little more aggressive recently. Um, you know, they tend to play 4-2-3-1. And it was very obvious what they were doing. They were attacking our right side incessantly, and they were constantly playing balls over the top. Um Godfrey was running after Watkins all the time in isolation. They were trying to pull one of the center halves out and play it behind him. And they did it repeatedly over and over and over again. They were incredibly direct. The second they won the ball, or frankly, we just gave it to him, which is part of the problem here. Yeah. Uh, they had no problem passing the ball directly through our midfield and attacking. If Alon didn't stop it, it was going right through. So that's what we saw. And it's really basic stuff. You know, there's nothing all that complicated about it. And I, I, I don't know why it was so effective. Maybe it was, I mean, certainly the center half pairing is part of why it was. I mean, Mason Holgate played a terrible match. But in this rare instance, we kind of attacked with both fullbacks a little bit. You know what I mean? It wasn't as one-sided as it had been in the past. And looking back on it, maybe that would have been a better tactical decision. But, you know, we were, for the most part, 4-2-3-1 and 4-4-2 in defense. Um, it was just, it, but it was a mess from the get-go, tactically, I thought. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've had... Obviously, Coleman out for large stretches of the season had to play guys out of position at the at right back. And so that does create that imbalance where Luca Dean's the only guy getting forward. But it also creates a little bit more defensive <clears throat> stability in that sense because you don't have guys starting yeah. forward. But there were a lot of times when Luca Dean got caught out of position, got played behind Coleman also. Yep. And look, you can't have unless you've got really elite talent in both those areas and. I love Seamus Coleman, but we, we all know that his days are numbered and, and not, he's not getting any younger. So for both of them to be bombarding up the field, to try to contribute on offense, it leaves that defensive pairing of Holgate and Godfrey so exposed and look, they've got the pace to be able to play that, but they don't have the discipline. And I think that's a big problem. Even if they have the pace to play it, the pace isn't in front of you in midfield anyway. So I don't know what Carlo thought he was going to accomplish. I mean, are those guys really going to be able to press high? And then because you have athleticism in the two center half positions, you'll be able to support it. I mean, I agree. They don't have some hoofball merchant there, some classic number nine. Ollie Watkins is not that player to play with his back to the goal. And, and thus two guys that aren't that good in the air to begin with Godfrey and Holgate would struggle. I, I get that, but that's a very simplistic, almost a naive way to look at things. So I, we seemed a little more compact than usual, but it was so bad at, at certain point early. We had flipped Gilfy, who was originally in that front two when we were defending in a 4-4-2 with Richarlison and move him straight back up because, you know, Richarlison was getting torched on that side so badly. I mean, it was and it was weird to see Andre and Alon pushed up so high. Yeah. But the worst part about that is let's say, fine, you're going to do that. That's fine. I mean, we didn't pick off any passes like we didn't create any any disruption for them. I mean, we had 33 interceptions. That's the lowest total we've had since January. And normally that's because the other team has the ball a lot. Well, it wasn't the case today. I mean, they beat us in the possession game. I mean, that that's madness. If you think about it, conversely, Estonville had 55 interceptions. How is that possible when we didn't even have the ball more than them? I mean, to me, that that right there says 
just from a possession standpoint, says it all. I mean, just says says it all. And and the thing is, we never took them out of really what they, well, I shouldn't say it. The second half, we adjusted a little bit and took some of it out. I think we, we accomplished that a little bit by being a little more aggressive in, in the back line and drawing them off sides. But I mean, 42% of the time they attacked down their left side, down our right side, and we were relatively balanced. We really never took that diagonal ball away from them. They weren't as successful with it later, but it didn't matter. You know, we, we weren't really stopping it. Like what you would expect is they continue to play that and our center halves have a matchup against Ollie Watkins, bullies him out of the way, picks off a couple and carries the ball forward. And you just never saw it. Yeah. I mean, you look, you talk about the, how many times on this show, Ryan, have we talked about these weird <clears throat> kind of just appalling st- statistic discrepancies of like, we were out tackled despite having like 10, oh. you know, 20% fewer possession. And then the interception one is another one. Like we didn't have that much of the ball and yet we gave it away. We're so, so careless, especially in the early stages, but really throughout. And look, this team just isn't capable of playing expansively. So it's all well and good when everyone's celebrating the one nil wins uh, when we're playing super compact and getting a handful of shots and, and getting by getting points by the skin of our teeth. But the second we try to play a more open game, we just get absolutely obliterated. And I think that's just an indictment of the personnel. And as you said, the midfield, if you can't apply that type of pressure and you're just putting them up so high on the field, you're just exposing us and allowing them to play long behind us, which is exactly what they did. So we made things very easy for them. And the thing is, I I don't mind Alon playing up a little higher. He was a monster as a little box to box player when Sari took over at Napoli. And and so he can play it that way. And we saw him carry the ball a couple of times later in in the match effectively. But is Andre going to be the guy sitting behind him to support him? Right, exactly. So let's get into the timeline because I, I think we just saw so many illustrations of how things were um, during the match that I think can kind of get us to maybe a greater conversation about personnel because there's just some guys on here. I just don't, I'm not convinced by having been for a long time. Um, and the thing is you see good moments from all these guys too. And it makes you very think like, Oh, well maybe if they just played like, well, they're not going to be, <laughs> it's like when you date the girl that, um, that like has all the potential in the world. Okay. Like you're not a halfway house. All right. Be smart. Go with the girl that's already got it together. That's what I did. And I'm a happy married guy. Thank God. <laughs> uh, and she puts up with me podcasting all the time with you, buddy. So uh, no jealousy. She's a winner. Nice. Uh, she is. She is. She is. A, thank heavens for her. Um, but yeah, I mean, the get go, like to me, the frustration began very early for me, like in terms of how we played, because I thought the first two minutes we looked fantastic. We were aggressive. We went after him. Um, you know, Wobi had a decent chance early again, left foot. Don't like him. Right. You know, he cuts in, that's kind of what he's forced to do. And, you know, they, they played it down. We took it immediately, brought it right back up a couple passing sequences and Andre boots it out of bounds. I mean, just completely unforced errors. And that's been the case for Everton for a long time. And it's very frustrating. He had three terrible giveaways in the first eight minutes. He had the other one where he tried to switch the ball, got totally picked off, went the other way by Villa. And then he tried to dribble by, I think it was Traore, who's a good defensive player for a winger, took it right away from him. And and then can we talk about, like, you would have thought, I mean, so in the seventh minute, Mason Holgate takes too long on the ball. Watkins pressures him. I mean, he almost lost it, kicked it back. Eventually he got it back too and beat two guys raced forward with it looked amazing you're like wow this is what i want to see stepping up you know and then he boots it right to villa again and he did the same thing in the ninth minute then he boots it out of bounds with no pressure i mean yeah did you think i mean you watched this match did you think the villa press is that hard to break i mean i 
why would we think that that was a better alternative than just playing it to Alon? I thought Alon could have, he tried to make him, I mean, you know what I mean? I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Hamas, please help me understand this insanity. I can't Ryan, unfortunately, because it was so much, the pressure was effective just due to our ineptitude and playing yes. around it. There was a lot of, a lot of foreshadowing, frankly, even in the first 10 before the, the initial goal by Watkins, where we're trying to get real cute in the back. There was a pass where Pickford and Holgate had a weird, awkward exchange right in front of the mouth of the goal. And it, it was like, at, at some point, you just have to be very pragmatic. And I, it's interesting. I think maybe we, we thought that we could outplay Villa on the ball. And clearly that wasn't really the case because we were trying to play around them. And no, their pressure wasn't anything outstanding or special, but we just made them look so good. And, taking too long on the ball. Great example of, you know, Holgate just being very lackadaisical and unfocused. Uh, and Carlo talked about a lot of that in his post-match comments, just the lack of concentration and, and execution. Yeah. Just gave him the ball when they had in, you know, the exact purpose whenever they got it immediately. And it was exactly. very simplistic and it shouldn't been countered very easily. It was almost naive, but you know, our team had no ability to take care of it. It was just constantly vertical balls into the corner or, you know, pulling one guy out, Traore basically working with Watkins and, and we got played over, played behind constantly. And then in the 13th minute, it culminated in just absolutely one of the worst mistakes we've seen all year. I don't know what to say about this. I mean, you know, it'd be one thing if it kind of came out of nowhere, but he almost did the exact same thing in the seventh minute. I, it, to me, this is totally inexcusable. Yeah, look, I mean, he gets the ball from Godfrey. He turns back and, and tries to, I guess, make a back pass, but Watkins' pressure is there. And then... So cavalier with the ball. So cavalier. Yeah, it, too, just... too confident at times. Yeah, and we talk about, you know, he is a guy who who kind of has that level of confidence, but you got to have a little bit of humility, too, and a little bit of uh, uh, just the discipline again. And, and he tr goes in for a tackle, and, and honestly, if Watkins goes down there, it's probably a card for Holgate, and we're in a whole different situation. But, yeah, he does well to stay up. It's just it's the bad decision with the touchback to Pickford, another bad decision with the tackle gets kind of bailed out by Watkins staying on his feet, but then Watkins plays it through to Pickford. I mean, you can't imagine anyone on, else on the squad is too thrilled with Holgate at this point. And he's, it's an embarrassing moment it, as a professional player at the, at the, in the, one of the best leagues, if not the best league in the world, you gotta be better than that. And, and Holgate, again, to your point earlier, why is he even in this lineup? He hasn't had that level of confidence or execution in some time. I think his attitude about things he almost looks cavalier like he's above it all or he's this superior player on the pitch to even try and pull some of the stuff he does you know there's a time and a place to be expansive to be tricky and to make moves if we need it you're a center half take care of your own end take care of the ball please dear god the basics the basics you know uh, this is villa we're, we're not playing man city you don't need to dial up a special performance to beat them you just need to not hand them a breakaway. Pick did okay in this one, too. It's actually a pretty good finish by Watkins, who is a little inconsistent as a finisher, too. But what I was hoping after this, then I was like, oh, my God, that was terrible. Maybe this will wake us up. And how did we respond? I love this play. Where Charleston gets it kind of cutting in behind. I can't believe he even got to this ball. I don't know what that. I can't remember who it was. Konza or someone let him just have it. And he just basically kicked the ball out of bounds for a goal kick. Like, just completely misstepped. Bad touch. And then Mason Holgate tries to make up for his great job by elbowing Watkins right in the head. And by the way, 
There, there are some VAR officials that could have looked at that and took, I mean, it's one thing to go for a handball and or go for a headball and protect yourself. I mean, it almost looked like he kind of fired it out at him. I right. mean, a more cynical official, maybe it's a stretch, but you know, and then, and Andre had another switch right to them and it just, and right away in the 16th, again, Watkins over the top Kanza. This was like a 90 yard ball. I mean, Holgate got caught up chasing Traore. I don't understand what the defensive scheme is here. Uh, maybe, maybe Villa's just genius. And they saw that we've been playing a lot more man because our people are incapable, apparently, of playing a zone, a zonal concept. And, you know, chases Traore up. The ball goes behind his head. And Godfrey has to cover. Pick makes a fantastic save. And you're just like, this is just terrible. I mean, they're doing the same thing over and over again, and we can't even counter. So what do we do? We manage to draw a corner and, well, that's 1-1. And it, it, yeah, it makes no sense, but look, not complaining because again, you talk about the response and like, there have been a lot of times this season where this team has responded. And though the immediate, the plays immediately following Villa's goal were horrible set pieces are where we can do some damage. We, even without Mina and Keen in the lineup, we've got DCL who absolutely torches Ross Barkley, bringing much joy to Evertonians everywhere. Yeah. And it's a great finish. It's a great finish by him. It's a great header far post and a good cross by Luca Dean. And look, you think, okay, we're maybe we can settle down now or level. We don't have to do anything too crazy. We can keep playing our game and maybe get back into this. Uh, unfortunately, it just seemed to to catalyze both teams to want to go end to end for a large stretch of the match. Yeah, this is a is a really good goal, by the way. The spin move and kind of going up with the header. Uh, I've definitely attempted that in my life and never looked like that. By the way, uh, <laughs> sorry, basketball skills. What? I love this you? dude. I love the spin move in hoops. It was my total oh, go to. Great. Yeah, it's the great. seal off spin because I was never great. quick enough to blow size someone, so I'd have to seal them and you know maybe get an elbow in there or something to finish. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the game just totally got wide open at this point. It, it was just madness. I mean, in the 20th minute, Holgate comes over the top, pulls off this pass. Totally wrong decision again. I don't know where this guy's getting off, thinking he's pinging balls all over the place. Um, and then again, again, again in the 21st minute, Holgate rushes forward to Traore, who magically has gotten behind Andre. What, what a surprise that is. And he completely whiffs on the tackle. Like, if there's one thing Mason Holgate is, I thought, good at, is being aggressive and winning balls as as a center half. You know, he is a quick guy. He's athletic. Sometimes his anticipation is quite good. Uh, he may then make a couple dribbles and knock it out of bounds. But, I mean, he completely whiffs on this tackle. Godfrey chases Watkins back. Pick closes Watkins down. Thank God. But the ball then comes back out to McGinn, which is just the last person you want it rolling out to for a long shot. Thankfully, you know, he doesn't do anything with it. And then next thing we know, Dom, by the way, Dominic Calvert-Lewin misses a chance here. I don't know how you thought about it, but man, this one could have, I mean, you got to give him credit for the first goal because that was probably a low chance kind of thing that he makes just out of his own athleticism. Should he finish this one in the 23rd? I mean, oh, this is the diving header. This is, yeah. the, uh, I mean, it's an unbelievable one touch ball from Luca Dean to play it in. And I know I give Dom a lot of credit because he basically goes in with, no consideration to his own personal safety whatsoever. Could have got his clock cleaned easily. It's a, it's a it's a bang bang play. He's diving. He hits it all hits right. It right at the keeper. I mean, it's a tough it's a tough one to read, but maybe should do better. Hard to fault him for it. Yeah, keeper gets fortunate, I think, in many ways in this one. He hit it well, and we've seen that one time 
cross by Luca Dean. I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone that can quite do that one time kind oh of God, left foot. Cro- it's, it's really amazing. You know, you keep hoping that again, this will turn things around and, and yeah, again, again, Oh my God, this one was the worst one. I think the 29th when Holgate's got the ball sitting in front of Pickford, he's got all day and he hammers this like low pinging pass like to Gilfy and he kind of rattles around with Richie and they kind of make a mess of it. And then, you know, the second he hits it, you know, he surges forward as does Godfrey to kind of pull the line back up and Watkins kind of comes back for the ball. Holgate goes right with him and McGinn plays it right at the space. He vacates again, like over and over again, Traore is through and how well does Pickford do on this one? You know, and if he comes out, makes the first save and then Traore had time, he had space. He's got a great left foot. I mean, pretty spectacular at a minimum save by Pickford on that chip. Yeah, look, I mean, where would we be at the end of the first 45 without Jordan Pickford? Because he came up big multiple times, bailing out guys for individual errors. And this was a great sequence. I mean, again, he does he does really well throughout this entire match of closing down when, when there's no one else in front of him, closing down the angle, making things <clears throat> difficult. And then the recovery to be able to get back. And yeah, there was a, a cheeky little grin exchange between Troy and Pickford after this uh-huh. one, because uh, I think Troy really was confident that he'd, put that top corner Pickford recovers really well. And uh, yeah. And for not the last time, it makes a really impressive save. And look, they probably should have scored then in the 31st. I mean, this was their one chance. I mean, how Algazi misses this one. Matty cash finally gets forward when Matty cash has time to serve a ball. He could serve a ball. I mean, he's a former winger, but he definitely has that. And I don't know what Seamus Coleman is doing here too. Seamus Coleman was getting played behind a, a, a lot today. Uh, a lot in the match not today feels like it was just yesterday. It's still irritating me going through this. Uh, this is not therapeutic, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is not. I, I mean, Watkins should have kind of scored. Pickford makes an unbelievable save to kind of get his hand down to his left. Barkley tries some just absolutely stupid back heel. Get your head up, Ross, and lay it down to someone. And El Ghazi falls right to him, and he just smokes it right off the crossbar. I mean, at this point, you're thinking, how are we not down two to one? I mean... <sighs> And then, and then again, then they hit the post again in the 38th. I mean, this one, oh boy, did Treyari kill a lawn on this one. Good, good, good. I mean, one of the about as bad as you can get beat with a dribble move, a lawn got beat with that. And it was a, a nice little move from Troy. And then he just plays it to Ross Barkley, open field, probably 20 yards outside of the 18. And back off him, back off him. The one spot you really don't want to leave Ross Barkley is space and time and to- at the top of the box. And he drills one. Pickford gets down, but nowhere near it off the post. And uh, again, just counting our blessings that this isn't a much uglier fixture at that point. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, kind of closing out the half, we, we actually had a couple signs of life. Like finally, Alex Awobi shows up, been waiting for him outside the first minute, you know, certainly wasn't doing a lot. I mean, he made an insane dribble in the center of the pitch. Unbelievable. Um, and and plays a I mean a pinged pass low pass to Dominic Calvert Lewin, all Dom has to do because he's opened up is ping it forward with his left foot. Just play it in front of him and he's gone. Like there's no way that center half's going to be able to drop step and change direction and really spring and power to get him. And, and he just doesn't make a good enough touch. I'm not saying it's an easy play. Um, and then then Awobi came in, made a really nice pass to Charleston for a chance, and and. You know, we get into halftime thinking like, wow, this is 1-1. We, we could still win this. But as I wrote in the document, here's my line. 
let's face it, the lineup is a disaster. It is. It's really that simple. Look, I mean, it's not anything that's a surprise. Like as soon as we saw it, it's like, okay, it really feels like almost Hamas has been the one guy that really makes everything else seem to somewhat work without him. It's a catastrophe because the midfield is just not capable of defending or applying pressure. And really when they're not moving the ball well and, and spreading it wide, like, as you said, Alex, it will be pretty anonymous for most of that half besides a couple okay moments where Charleston, same thing, really struggled to get involved. A couple of really, really bad awful second touches oh. sense. And besides Dom with a couple really besides Dom and a couple, and that's basically it. Maybe Alon had a, a couple okay moments. It was just a travesty. And Dean, of course, always yeah. doing kind of his best. Yeah, it's just when Holgate's just constantly letting people run behind you, him and Godfrey had been like they never played together before. I think they played once before, but I, they both of those guys seem more comfortable with more of a steadying force, especially someone that can win a ball in the air. I mean, I, it just it was terrible. And and I just don't understand when you saw the selection, you know, why he would have thought those pieces would have worked well together. It just made no sense whatsoever. Um the half started, this was, things were really strange, frankly. I mean, I, I, I noticed this from the 46th minute to the 70th minute, Everton had 28% possession, yet we outshot him four to one. I, I, I you know, it's just, I don't understand, you know, I, Andre was, God, there was a stretch there too, where Andre was just an absolute mess. I mean, he was getting danced by repeatedly. I don't know if he was tired. Um, and then a, a very strange thing happened too. Fabian Delph came in for him and suddenly we had the ball the whole time, like 68, 63% the rest of the way. I mean, I, we, and the, as a team, we were like seven for seven tackles. Wow. We only got dispossessed three times to Villa six. We like settled in here. Um, you know, we didn't give up a shot on target from the 52nd minute until the 82nd. And there were actually a lot of chances here. This is before Delph came on. There were quite a few chances here in that kind of like 52 minutes to like, 60 minute stretch there you know what i mean yeah look i mean awobi had a shanked shot uh that he after recovering it from a from a villa turnover um and, and villa defended that okay and then seamus picked off a pass played it to allen uh who showed a little bit of dribbling finesse and sh- again shanks a shot oh terrible tyrone mings misplaying a header Richie basically in on goal with a really nice first touch and a terrible shot. It just starts to add up and like just the lack of execution again, like getting, getting ourselves in okay positions again, Villa handing us opportunities and us being absolutely totally unable to take advantage and just some bad decisions. You know, Gilfie, this says it all to me, like Gilfie can't play Dom in, in the 60th Dom is right on his right. He's wide there. I mean, all he has to do is barely touch it over to him and he can't pull it off. That's kind of how Gilfie's been from open play. I mean, you have to hand him the ball at this point to create an opportunity. He had a bunch of shots today, really didn't do much with them. Um, I'll tell you what, too. I love this play where Alon plays Richarlison over the top. He does that little hesitation move and kind of bumps cash, creates some space, and he hits it right at the keeper. You know, I'm not saying it was a great angle. These are all half chances, but... I mean, we do, I mean, completely make a mess of these things. And, I, you know, at this point, I'm thinking, dear heavens, what is going on here? And then we had like a Godfrey shin ball to give them a corner in the 64th. I, I, I wrote this in my notes because that was just how it how it went. And, and then, I mean, this kept going on to Delph comes on. We actually were stabilized a little bit, at least in keeping the ball. Thankfully, I'm not saying this is all Fabian Delph, but I mean, certainly Andre was done at this point. So um, 
not the Delph is amazing or expansive, but I mean, it did seem to kind of bring things together for us yeah. a little bit. And then Bernard made that lovely kind of open field chip. Dom runs with it. And, you know, you're thinking, is this the moment where he actually scores from outside the box? Hamas? And it was not. It was not, Ryan. It's just terrible. It was Our like all the box shooting is just horrific. Just like, the whole season has been bad. I mean, Hamas could occasionally make one look good. Luca Dean's got good range, but we just don't score unless it's Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the six, it feels like. I'm fine without shooting from distance because it's normally a low percentage shot. Right. But, I mean, Gilfie Sigurdsson can score from there for some reason. I mean, he had a, I, I can't really explain it, but we're just not creating chances. And the ones that we have, we're just completely botching. And then even though they had no chances and Bill really didn't do much during this time frame, sure enough, a byproduct of another giveaway. And this time it's Luca Dean kind of rattles. It gives it to Villa rattles around. Um, Traore manages to get it after a couple, you know, some nice kind of precision passing. Traore is on his way. It's off the break. And one thing we were doing is we we're playing really compact. So if Villa had the ability to switch it over to the other side of the field, especially right after a turnover, we're usually so compact that that player was there. Now we've seen Luca Dean do a very good job stepping in front and picking passes off like this. You know, you didn't see it much today, unfortunately. And Seamus couldn't get to this one at all. In fact, what happens is El Ghazi gets it. And Seamus completely backs off him. I, I don't understand this at all. I mean, if Seamus isn't going to have the ability, I mean, him going forward is not as deadly anymore. If he is not going to have the ability to try and close this guy down in space from that distance, and El Ghazi's not some speed burner that's going to go by wow. him. It's an amazing finish. Like, it's a fantastic shot. But you also let him take his time, get on his strong foot. And I, I just, I don't understand how you don't close him down. He should not get that shot off. And nothing Pitt can do about this one, no. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because, again, Pickford had such an amazing game yep. to get beat with a shot like that due to defensive lapses must have just really made his head almost explode. And, and Coleman, he does back off, and it's just so perplexing because you'd think he'd be able to kind of go toe-to-toe with a guy like El Ghazi. Yeah. And he gives him that angle on his strong foot, like <laughs> overplay his his strong foot, make him do something with his other foot. But just time and space and out of nothing, as you said, their first shot on target in like half an hour, all of a sudden we're down. And uh, at that point, 80, 81 minutes, 82 minutes into the game, not a whole lot of options to, to try to change things. And the really only other chance we had was the Josh King opportunity at the top of the box. He oh. Delph uh, has a spin move, plays it forward to him. Bernard gets it to King King time and space, top of the box. Again, horrible, horrible shot. 10 feet wide of the post, five feet wide of the post, nowhere near and uh, going out with a whimper as we have, unfortunately, far too many times this season. Yeah, yeah it's just disappointing. I mean, they they take the lead in the 82nd and really that's our best chance we can muster in, you know, 10 plus minutes of play. Um, so I mean, the overall match, I mean, Y Scout made it really close from an XG standpoint, uh, literally tied one six six to one six six. I've seen, I think FB Ref had it like one two one nine. So I, I think Villa probably had the better chances. Yeah. Uh, but we definitely had some. Uh, I just, I, I guess you look back and say there, there just it was amazing how many truly uneven performances there were. There were a few good ones. I mean, Jordan Pickford played a pretty good match. Yeah, look, he's been good. And people, you know, I, I tweeted that the first half might have been his best half of football for us this season, if not even a longer time frame. Um, and he must have been just 
furious with his defense for giving up so many opportunities, but he does such a good job of closing out. He made some low saves, made some diving saves, and he's been really good since he's come back from injury. Whether that bodes well for his long-term future at Everton, look up in the air, but he does look like a much improved decision maker and uh, just shot stopper than he has for at least the first half of the campaign for sure. I'm still somewhat skeptical, but uh, you can't argue his performance today. Yeah, I mean, they hit the woodwork twice, but but a look, if the XG was 166, the post shot XG was 2.16. I mean, he faced some really good shots. I mean, it wasn't just that they then gaffed them and screwed them up. And, you know, one thing that is worth noting is, you know, being a dad, like, you know, they had a kid not too long ago. You know, it, it forces you to change automatically. You know, it's not the craziest thing to suggest that Jordan Pickford might be growing up a little bit. He just didn't seem like such a loose cannon today, even though all heck was breaking loose in front of him. You know, he just, I don't know why. It just felt like he's been inspiring more confidence. And, you know, I mean, we've been very critical of him in the show, just objectively looking at the numbers and saying how bad they were. But I, I was very impressed today how he was. Um, yeah, these were some really good attempts at good chances. I, I would say Luca Dean played a decent game too. I mean, I don't blame a lot of the times him getting bypassed. I mean, our pressuring today was just awful. Um, it was more of a tactical issue. You know, he was playing higher up. Um, he obviously has Andre on his side, too. That's not really the supporting defensive backbone you need. Uh, but he created a lot for us. I mean, you can't argue that. Yeah, I mean, four key passes, four aerials to dribble, got fouled a couple times, didn't get dispossessed, didn't have a bad touch, couple tackles three clearances in got the assist from the corner could have had another one to the cross to DCL as bad as large swaths of this team are Luca Dean is uh, one of the few bright spots and maybe brand's best signing probably is without question. Actually, now that I'm saying it, uh, he has been such a rock for us and, and he's only had, like, even when he's bad, he's still decent. Like he may not have the best offensive game, but still strong defensively. Might get a little lost here and there defensively, but still chip in on offense. He rarely, rarely, rarely is just a, a train wreck. And I can't say the same, unfortunately, about other people on this side. But in terms of okay performances, you know, look at Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Where would we be? We saw where we were without him when he was injured. It's it's scary to think about what we what position we'd be in without his goals this year. Yeah, he had a lot of ball losses today. I mean, it's kind of a byproduct of it. I mean, it, 21 ball losses, at least according to Scout, That's the second worst total this year. Um, I think a little bit he was trying to trying too hard. I think a lot of people are trying too hard. I, I think they're feeling the pressure, you know, and 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 I, I respect that they want to step up. That being said, you got to give him credit for that first goal. I mean, it was a fantastic goal. Uh, I don't think the header, you know, af soon after that was that bad either. Um, it's easy to look at him and say, well, you tried that long shot, you know, and, and muffed it because he is limited, but that's fine. On one side, you could say, all right, look, he's not the best dribbler. He's not going to beat guys too much. He did have a dribble or two today that I thought was okay. Um, he's not the best passer. He's not the most creative force, but that being said, who goes over guys and scores the way he does and is big and strong like that and can also run behind because he's a tremendous athlete and he's finished decently well this year and you have to give him credit for it so i just think it's an unfair critique to constantly harp on the things that he's limited with i, I kind of go through the lineup too i think some other guys were were fine you know I, i'm normally pretty critical of gilfie and i i'm not going to ignore the fact that he created not much from open play but he did have four shots 
Um, he at least took care of the ball. You know, he didn't give the ball up much. Um, that at least I appreciated. Alex Awobi didn't create a whole lot, but you know, again, after the game, everyone wants him dead and that he's terrible and he should leave and all this other stuff. But, but the bottom line, he, he didn't have one miscontrol. wasn't dispossessed once. And he had seven progressive carries. I think he might've had seven progressive passes as well. I mean, he created three shots, you know, I, I three shot created actions. I, I mean, it, he wasn't that bad. I mean, I don't know what to say. You know, I mean, he's one of the few guys that actually was successful dribbling the ball and carrying it any distance whatsoever. So again, he's on his wrong side and you can see it now, you know, it just, when he cuts inside and he gets in that half space, you know, it just doesn't. And then Seamus Coleman's on his right. He's not really on his right. You know, Seamus Coleman's not really that comfortable playing in that wide space. How do you think Seamus did today? I just, he had, he won the ball back a bunch of times. There were times where I thought he was fine against El Ghazi, but I'd be remiss to not point out the goal. I mean, that was just such a, such a bad moment. Yeah. Look, he definitely didn't get forward. I mean, no, I mean, he is our only true right back. And, you know, you just, you think about the lack of flexibility there. And so I think also what he's not a wing back. Is that (laughs) maybe if you ask some people, they'd say it's his best position, but (laughs) no, look, I mean, Coleman love him maybe a club legend, certainly one of the best players in Everton's time in the Premier League. He just doesn't, he can't do it all in that position. And in the modern game, you need a fullback who can kind of do it all. And you look at the teams that have that guy and it makes a big freaking difference. You know, Luca Dean can do it all on his day. Might get exposed here or there, might get a little caught out, but he doesn't offer enough offensively in the defensive lapses. I wouldn't say he had a bad game. Look, I don't want to criticize him too much because I don't think he was the problem in defense, but it doesn't seem to really be be working with that unit in the back. And we had that strong defensive unit. We conceded a lot offensively by playing Mason Holgate out there, but at least we were compact and, and difficult to expose. Now it just feels like teams are able to kind of just play over the top through the midfield and we're, we're just wide open for the taking. Some of his defensive numbers were actually pretty good, too. I mean, he's two for two in tackles against dribbles. I mean, I think he had three interceptions. No, he had one interception, but a couple other tackles as well. Um, you know, he really wasn't dribbled past. The only mistake he made was backing off there. He's nine of 18 in pressures. Yeah. I mean, God, the numbers, our pressing numbers were awful. I mean, just awful. And, and some other people were worse. And I, I don't remember him giving the ball away too often. I mean, he, you no. know, 86% pass. So he just didn't create much. And that was kind of unfortunately how it was on the right side. But a lot of other people had worse matches. I mean, I, Godfrey was okay. I mean, I felt like he was chasing around trying to cover for Holgate the whole time. But to me, I mean, I, I just, it, it starts with Mason Holgate. I mean, he was, he just wasn't good. I mean, I just think we had we had three, in my opinion, three really bad performances. Well, two really bad performances and one very much uneven one. But Holgate, I mean, zero for two in tackles, one for eight in pressures, not a single tackle or interception from your aggressive center half. Huge mistake for the goal. One for four in aerials. It says he was 11 for 15 in long passes, but like his distance he gained was almost nothing. So it must have been just spraying it back and forth. But why is he attempting 15 long passes in the first place, Thomas? I mean, is this the worst? This is, in my opinion, the worst match I've seen Mason Holgate ever play. I think so as well. I mean, the the individual error alone for the goal is, oh, there's only so many bad adjectives you can come up with. But yeah, he, he for someone who, you know, 
did poorly, and we talked about how poorly he, he did in a lot of matches when he was forced into right back, you know, you think, all right, well, he's back in his natural position, the position he wants to be playing. Hopefully he'll, he'll motivate him and take advantage and at least see some improvement where he's presumably more comfortable, but he looks uncomfortable. Like he, he looks like he's not capable of playing at this level. And, you know, there are a lot of questions asked about Mason Holgate in the recent past, and we thought that those had been answered. And now they're resurfacing yet again. And some of it might just be inconsistent form for a young player. But when you talk about the guys on the bench that weren't in, that could have probably paired with Godfrey quite well, it is just kind of a head scratcher in terms of Carlos decision-making for the squad today. Why neither of those guys were in there. Maybe there's some injuries that we don't know about, yeah. but they're on the bench. So I, I and he constantly saying everyone's fit. I mean, why would you think Mason Holgate could come in and do a job better than either of those two other guys? But, but look, I mean, is it, he's only 24. I know that's not that old for a center half, but he's, you know, he's not 20. This is yeah. the 21. Not that there's anyone playing in the Premier League at center half at 20, really, but you know, other than, you know, Fofana maybe, but you know, he's not 21. He's not 20. I mean, 24 is it's, I mean, it's, it's time to like make a statement or, you know, there's going to be action because this is the proving ground. This is the, the threshold really in for a center back at 24. There's still so many things that I just don't understand about his game. He has that element of wild card. He can do something in a big moment that can be really impressive and really like, I think it catalyzed the rest of the team. You know, he plays with, uh, that little bit of, of just uh, snide, I guess, at times, it, but it can be for better or for worse. And it was just not, not his day at all. Uh, is it too early to say maybe, maybe he's not going to get there? I mean, I, I, I find, I will say this again, you know, I always defend Alex Wobie. Alex Wobie's 24 too, you know, yeah. but, but Alex Wobie's the worst player that's ever been known to man, right? I mean, he needs to be oh, dead. Easily. He needs to be kicked out of the whole club, awful, terrible human, that type of thing. But think about it. Mason Holgate's, you know, Obi's half a year older. Uh, at what point do you start kind of taking a step back and like, I, look, he had a good run of form last year. So, you know, you, you thought maybe he was turning the corner and maybe he was playing out of position and with some new guys. But this this type of performance was, to me, bordering on unprofessional. Uh, honestly, I, I, I don't want to be too harsh on the guy, but th- this is I just I, I just it's hard for me to see a, a center half in a premier league side that has any aspirations at all performing like this, everyone can have a bad day, but this was just, again, I know I'm always saying it's not a referendum on everything, but this is an extreme example of something that I would not have thought would be possible for someone who really thinks they're going to be a top flight center half. And I, I don't know. I don't know what, you, I don't know where you go from here too. You know, I, I, I mean, these guys, you know, play together, they share the same agent. You know what I mean? Like I, I mean, this is really bad. So let me just say this. When I'm scouting a player, there's some fundamental things that a player has to have or else I, they're just never going to make it. And decision-making is number one for me, you know, and that, that as an attacking player, and we'll get to Andre Gomes in a second, as an attacking player, it's finding the open guy, making the right decisions with the ball or off the ball, you know, running in a space, having a feel defense is the same thing, you know, when not to run out at someone, when to run with them when to not be reckless, when to take care of the ball and play the simple decision, you know, and, and he was atrocious. So really we're looking at a very small spurt of swarm, you know, relative to his whole career, in which he seemed like he was less rash. I, 
it's too early to give up on the guy, but this, he shouldn't be playing. Uh, it's as simple as I that. Agree. Totally. What agree. about Andre Gomes? I mean, it's hard. Like I said, at the top of the show, I just feel very deflated because he <laughs> seemed like a guy after his first season on loan here, everyone was desperate to sign him on a permanent and he offered so much. Not everyone. A lot of people. Yes. A lot. Of, most people. I would. Most I would people. Remember, he's as creative as Arteta. Something absurd. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, and in hindsight, that's just such a joke. But I think he needs to like get a haircut. I, I don't know if I said this last episode, but he needs like <laughs> something to refresh because he just looks kind of like he almost looks a little homeless in a way. Where like, oh, <laughs> no disrespect to anyone, but. I think he needs like a, a, a makeover or something because this Andre Gomez looks slow. He looks just incapable of making the correct decision. And even if he does make the correct decision, executing on said decision, and you talk about that, the range isn't quite there the last few games. I mean, he did not have a good game today. He's such a defensive liability. We say it time and time again, alongside Allen. I mean, and then it's like, okay, well, if you're both playing CDM, then Allen has to do 99% of the defensive work yeah. and you're not going to actually play the ball and pass it well, then why are you even in the team? And I think that's where, you know, you, you ask the question, like, why isn't a Tom Davies in there? Yeah, I look, the numbers say he had five shot graded actions today. So, I mean, there was some creativity that came out from him, but I'm sorry, you know, your eyeballs look at you and say, that's fine. Those are almost, that's, that's flukish for him. Uh, the bottom line is he gets in the final third and he just falls apart. And so if he's not holding the ball well and progressing it up the field, and, and today he was completely uneven in that regard. He was not under pressure most of his passes. You know, he had only six passes under pressure today. That's not that many. I mean, most everyone else on the team had higher. And he gave the ball away in critical junctures, just unforced errors. And eventually, again, you sit back and say, is this guy just not good enough? Now, I don't think he is. You can maybe move him. But I, I just think that there are too many players in the side that just are fundamentally not good decision makers. I, I don't know how bright they are off the pitch, but on the pitch, I can look at them and say they just and I some people may say it's attitude or toughness or whatever. Maybe it's mental tough. I honestly I don't know what's going on with these guys. Maybe Andre simply just needs a change. Um, but but I just. I don't. I loved him. The loan, the loan was perfect. Uh, we needed a guy. We didn't have the money to spend. He's a guy that could kind of play a bit as a box to box transition back and forth, but his defensive liabilities are going to make it so that no matter whatever happens, he, he, I just, he can't play as a two. I, I just, and again, is this on Carlo for playing Andre? Like, why is he playing Andre over Tom Davies? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's kind of the question that starts to has started to surface more than I, would like but it's it's really hard to uh i guess if you're looking at it objectively and and there's people saying you know if this was any other manager he would have been sacked by now and like well guess uh, what it's not in any other manager right and, and we're still in eighth place so yes like the mandate was europe if we're, we're two places off europe right now so it's not like he's failed completely and utterly to uh deliver on what the, the promises were and I, I don't want to go back to it, but the injuries were really bad for a large stretch of the season. 100%. But, but we've questioned him a lot. And like the lineup decisions and some of the substitute decisions do make you think like, is, are we the dumb ones for thinking that we're missing? <laughs> are we missing something here? Or is there, is, is it really just 
there's no way to make the, the players on the bench. Like, even if you take Tom Davies in, does that improve the squad dramatically? Do we play that much? Is it just the squad's not good enough and Carlo can't get it? Or is it that the manager's not getting enough of a tune out of this crop of players? I, honestly, I think some of these guys just aren't really kind of coachable at this point. They're going to make the same fundamental mistakes over and over and over again. They may play one blinder match and they're going to play a bad one the next match. And I think today we got a combination of some guys that were just absolutely awful and too many individuals that were just completely awful. And let me tell you another guy who was completely awful tonight, like truly awful. One of his worst matches I've ever seen was Richarlison. And I know he's been great for us and we know he's a good player. So I'm not, but we know that's a little bit of an anomaly. It's one thing when your finishing is bad. His first half, I mean, how many bad touches? How many bad touches? It was atrocious. And you just watch it over and over again. And it's one thing if you're creating something from that. You know what I mean? But four missed controls. Two times dispossessed. That, that, that's six just handing them the ball, basically. He wasn't receiving the ball cleanly. Uh, his shots were off. Uh, he ran at one guy once and beat someone off a dribble. His movement, I don't even think, was all that good. Him and Dom were just not in sequence. And, you know, he he moved Richarlison up top, so he kind of killed his, you know, his defensive contributions normally can make up for that. But, you know, they were bypassing the midfield, so it was kind of pointless. Anyway, um, I, I just don't. He was awful today. And, and that's okay. Look, sometimes if you have a team full of very good players and one guy plays bad, that happens all the time, right? No big deal. But when you got three guys that really played just – I just think some of these guys, I just, I don't think, I don't, I mean, look, I think Carlo was really frustrated and has been professional about it. But the bottom line is I think Carlo had them designed to play a certain way and they didn't do it today. They just simply didn't execute it. And I think that's been the case a couple different times. I think the Newcastle match where, where, you know, they got that ridiculous penalty basically and, and beat us two nil the first time. I think that was partially though. It's, it's also personnel decisions. Like why does he think Mason Holgate, is going to be able to follow instructions properly that Andre Gomes is going to suddenly develop some positional awareness and be able to play within a scheme and a system. He couldn't at Barca. He basically, the team was designed for him basically at Valencia and he was great. So it's, I get, maybe he can't get a tune out of these guys, but if he was never going to be able to do it to begin with, why is he playing them? I start Fabian Telf over Andre Gomes next match. Definitely Davies over him. I mean, how yeah. can you play Andre? I just, I don't understand what Carlos thinking in terms of the line of selections, but I, I don't think he's inability. I don't think he suddenly can't coach. No, exactly. I, I don't think that either. Like he's the most prestigious manager Everton have ever had. I think bar none, no exceptions. And mm -hmm. for us mm -hmm. to, uh, to look at that and say, well, and, and treat it like he's Marco Silva or like Ronald Koeman. Yeah. I just think that's a, a, a little bit naive. And, and frankly, even if it was one of those guys, a guy with less of a pedigree, what's the advantage to chopping and changing again after a season yeah. where we failed to meet expectations? At some point, even a mediocre manager with some degree of continuity is going to outperform guys who have these these play this I mean we've got players from five managers, six managers still at this club. Yeah. You need to some at least two or three years of continuity to start to to develop some sort of identity. And I think that is has been the biggest problem at Everton for a long time. And we thought we might have moved past <clears throat> it slightly. But this team lacks an identity because the recruitment has been all over the place for since Farad Moshiri arrived, since David Moyes left. And so it's not going to change overnight. You've got the opportunity to build with a guy who can attract major caliber players, talented. Um, and so to, to, 
and I don't think anyone's genuinely thinking he should be sacked. And if you are, you're an idiot, honestly. But yep, you know, you just look at the remaining fixtures: West Ham, Villa again, Sheffield United, Wolves, City. Part of me is like, do we really have to play these matches? Because I just can't see it going all too well. But <clears throat> Decore might come back. Look, I, I like I said, I felt very deflated, defeated, and and. I tweeted after the match, like, just get me to the summer window where Everton actually give me some hope and optimism when we make signings of big guys. It's still so much to play for, dude. That's the sad I know, part. I, I mean, look, we are a different team when James plays. We're a different team when Decore plays. Um, you know, I you never know with JPG. I mean, those are the three guys that are out. But th- those are big guys. Like, those were big signings, like important guys that were designed to contribute immediately. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you just go down the list. I mean, just look at the, look at the bench and look at everyone that came on. You know, these guys aren't good enough. I mean, some of them, it's just, it's really that simple. And, and, but the problem is, so you look at a team like Villa was able to bring in like Bertrand Troyer is a good example of a player that would be a perfect, like if we had a really good right wing, he'd be a perfect bench guy. You know, he could come in spot start in that position. He could play left a little bit too, you know, but the problem is when you've inherited a bloated roster, that's been so big for so long, you can't buy those guys. Like I, I remember in January, I'm thinking, please buy Moises Casido. He's so good. He's press resist. He's going to be a fabulous player, but you couldn't, you just couldn't. And we already had what, like seven midfielders. Yeah. And, and that's part of the byproduct. Part of the problem. People are like brands was brought in to buy unheard of players. First of all, there are no unheard of players anymore. I, I don't know what people are thinking. I can dial up video right now and watch the Estonian second division. There's no players. You don't know, you know, especially with data analytics and other things. People get discovered. It's hard to find any unpolished gems that are good enough to play for Everton. You know what I mean? That, that's a, that's another aspect of it. And, you know, maybe it was the Academy ban and things like that. But you just go down the list. And I think now it's just the time you just need to purge. Some of these guys, they just need to go. I mean, it's really yeah. simple as that. You know, I, I, I think we've been thinking if someone is inconsistent and have good moments, you know, just, they need to go. But but I will say this. Some guys that are being utilized differently, I like, for example, I still say that, like, I don't understand some of the other decisions. Like you bring Bernard in for a Wobi and you immediately flip Bernard over to the left. And I agree. Bernard is a left-sided player primary. I, I, but is he any better or worse on the right than Alex Awobi is? So why do you continue to play Alex Awobi on the right? Yeah. I agree. There's no one else to play over there. I get it. Josh King in January. I don't understand that one. I still don't understand. That. I, you, I, you know how I t- said about it. He's not good enough. Again, he was bought as a third center forward. I mean, in case someone went down, Jank left. It's not like the worst thing that's ever happened, you know, but let him go. Don't extend Gilfie. Don't. Why? He's got a year left. You can move him. Bernard. Bernard's not even that bad a player, to be perfectly honest. He's been creative. Move him on. I mean, you know, the guys now that fundamentally that are part of the problem need to go. And and honestly, if we got to sell a young player too, maybe it's time. Look, if you say you say Mason Holgate, what's Mason Holgate worth? After last night, less than anyone I would have said. No, I, I mean, 20, 15. Maybe, yeah. Can you get another good young player that doesn't need to play in right away? Or maybe no one. You know, I don't think Jared Brantwith is ready. I mean, how many 19-year-olds or 20-year-olds even can play in right. the Premier League, even as a fourth center half? But, you know, maybe you get us. maybe JPG can be the fourth. I, I don't know if he's held. I, I'm just saying, like, if if you lose some of the young guys one or two of them that you feel like fundamentally is flawed. You could just buy another young guy. I just, right. I, I think, I think we need, and Farha needs to spend the money. I, I hate to say it, but he really does. If you want to make the jump, 
And people think we spent a lot. We really haven't the last three years. We've said it a million times on the show. Uh, I just think it's, it's, it's time. I just think there's some fundamental guys out there that just, I don't think we're ever going to get it. And guess what? Maybe they do. Maybe one or two of them come out and, and something happens and they turn into magic and we'll kick ourselves. But, you know, if our, look, the only way we're going to win is if we have superior recruitment. Brands and scouts just kill it. And so if that's the case, then the young guys bringing in should have every bit of chance of being excellent as, you know, the current guys here and our hope for them. I, I just think fundamentally we need a, a, a major change, maybe even culturally. And if I, I don't know what that means, uh, but uh, some of these guys that maybe they're more important influences in the locker room, I don't know what they are, but I, I, think, I think we need more of a changing of the guard. This is, we have a chance, put it this way. I, I'm saying a lot here. We have finally have a chance to get fully away from the stuff pre-brands. I, 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 don't, I don't think we can wait anymore. I think this summer we need to push all these guys out. Thoughts? I think you're right. No, I, th- I think that's totally right. Look, we been... did you feel that way watching this match? You know what I mean? Like, yes, I did. Th- this... Because yeah. it's like this specter of the catastrophe of the first year of Farad Mushiri's reign and and Steve Walsh and Ronald Koeman. And it's like, these guys are still here, Ryan. How are they still here? Why are they still here? Why is Gilfie Sigurdsson, five managers on, still starting every single match when he doesn't? Like I said, he didn't, you said he didn't play that badly today. But why haven't we moved these guys on? Why haven't we had more turnover? And <clears throat> Brands has done a great job, about as good as you could possibly expect. And we're reaching a kind of culmination point where we've gotten rid of the flagrantly obvious Deadwood and kept some of the guys who are at least by some definition first team players. But look, first team players don't mean contender for Europe players, players in a side that really want to compete at the top level. And I think now is where you have to take a hard look at some of these guys who have been playing week in, week out. And there are the guys, you know, you got John Joe Kenny, obviously he's not good enough. But when you look at, look, is Mason Holgate good enough? Is Gilfie Sigurdsson good enough? Even is Alex Awobi good enough? And and yeah. we've talked enough about Maybe it. not. You have to take a hard look and, and ask these questions. And these are guys who might actually have market value, but at the same time, look, you can't move 20 guys out and bring 20 guys right. in. It's right. not feasible. Right. So you have to have some sort of prioritization here. Yeah, but I, the bottom line is, I, I the only thing I'll say is this, in Carlo's defense, this summer he had a chance to move a couple of these guys out and didn't want to. Bernard is a very good example. Roma came and made an offer for him in the summer. He could have been gone. Um, and Carlo is the one that insisted that he didn't want him to go because he thought he had a spot for him. Because in his defense, Bernard's a decent player. He's a decent player in the Premier League. He is. I mean, the numbers support that too. He's small and people hold that against him, of course. Just like the whole Mina runs funny against him. <laughs> Just like the whole, whatever stupid ridiculousness. Uh, but Carlo wanted to keep him. Maybe, honestly, Carlo just wasn't sure. You know, he hadn't have enough time to the guys, and he has a longer time horizon maybe than many of the fans do. I, that really could be. You have to admit, J- yeah. James, that would explain a lot. That would explain maybe why he's plugging these guys in, you know, in many ways. I'm not, I'm not saying he's auditioning them or anything, but maybe he really wanted to take a look at the full-fledged squad. The problem is you signed a couple of people in the summer. We're only going to be here for a couple of years. I was, I was against that strategy. I agree the guys that we signed. Um, I don't know. I, maybe that's it. You know, Gilfie Sigurdsson had an offer from Al Halal. Now he didn't want to take it. And I don't blame him for that, but you couldn't have moved him. I don't know. I, I just, I think it's time. And I think, I think what hope, uh, what I hope happens is Marcel Brand's getting a three-year contract. Carlo lets him do the recruitment. You know, 
he can inform things. Carlo is fantastic at knowing what the squad needs. I mean, he's an obviously a tactical whiz. He's smart. He's a good man manager. He understands what a, what a championship locker room should be like, you know, and you can rely him for those things, but he's never been all that involved in the transfer market. He's always had a director of football. That's done things for him. Sometimes totally against him. I mean, half the time he didn't even realize who was coming in the door, you know, and, uh, and it works out just fine. Uh, and, and I think brands is probably more competent than a lot of those guys. Now we don't have the financial clout necessarily to outspend everyone, but I just, it's games like this. I don't want to ever see happen again, where Amen. it's just fundamentally hitting your head against the wall. Like just fun. Like people have bad games, but this was just fundamental stupidity over and over again, a bad decision-making. And I just, y- you can't win consistently with a handful of guys in your lineup that cannot make just basic decisions correct the whole match. I mean, the film session in this one must just be unbelievable. You know what I mean? Gonna be gonna be a fun time. I'm, sh- I'm sure the players probably head today off. They'll report to Finch Farm tomorrow, and likely get eviscerated for some of the some of the stuff that was on. I play. hope so. I hope so. I, I hope literally. If you say, look, I don't know who you think you are, but this is just absolutely mindless stuff. If you can't tell the difference why this is the wrong thing to do, get out of here. I mean, I just, that sounds very harsh. I mean, but at least sit down and think about it. Maybe some of these guys need to watch some things from the bench because some of them to me are not earning their playing time. They need to sit down. I think that's a great rant, honestly, to, to end this on. I'm sorry. I, I just, apparently no. I didn't think I was going to rant tonight. I, I don't know what it is. No, but. it's okay. I think it's warranted. I think you're echoing a lot of the sentiments, many, many others across North America, across Europe, across the world, all feel as Evertonians. It's, it's frustrating to feel, you know, every season, the transfer window, we make our signings. It's like, okay, maybe this is the year that we can compete. And every year around this time, May-ish, we're feeling the same well, exact feelings. Well, in our defense, though, I think we had a realistic grasp on this team, don't you? I do. I mean, I would do. I look in the summer? I mean, we, we what we say? We said if, at best, if everything so, goes right, we could get six, then, you know, 62 points, I think, is what we were hoping to get. But it's it's the it's the fact that we were top of the table, even for a it's like they tricked me again. God, gosh, darn it. No, they, they tricked they, me. You, come on now. We've t- we were saying about that. We didn't get carried away. I did know, we? No, I know. But deep down in my heart as like the most uh, I don't know unrealistic and just wanting to see the craziest things happen. I was like, Oh, Everton are winning the league for like a split second. See, you know, I don't, you know, I am. You never thought that, but I, you know, I'm dumb. That's (laughs) not about being dumb. You know, I want it to be that way. Of course. I think about that. Like, wow. If things could really break off, of course I think about that. Everyone does, you know, hope streams, football, all that stuff, man, you know, and that's great. And that's, it's inspiring. And there's so many amazing stories like that but i mean we i mean come on now let's be honest though you've got to be able to separate your head from your heart in some aspects and i mean there are just too many too many guys on here that just but i have to admit i i i I still i still i still was really disappointed in carlos team selection and i really think that's the if mina plays do we win yes why not it's a one goal game i mean he's not giving up that one that's for sure Right. I mean, we gifted them the one, right? I mean, if we, we would have at least drawn, so hard I, to say, but I, 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 I don't know how much longer we want to belabor this, this result. I mean, we got to pick it up and go again at West Ham. Yes. This is the biggest match of the year. Really? I mean, I know we keep saying that like now every I, match we say that every it's true, single, it's true but, of the year. but I mean, literally if we lose this one, it's done. I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, oh, it's, no completely done. it's, no it's completely done. We win it though. There is hope. 
I can't believe I said that. Oh, Ryan. yes, there is hope. This hope team is going to do this to me. Seventh, sixth or seventh. They're going to. Would you be happy with seventh? Again. If someone said to you, yes, I'd be happy with seventh. I mean, we said we'd be thrilled with six at the start of the year. I mean, seventh, we get Europe. Like, okay, we'll see. But look, it's a competitive league. I would, and I would be, be happy yeah. with that. But look, if this team wins against West Ham and gets my hopes up, I'd almost just rather we lose and I can just oh, don't see how the rest on. of the season. I'm kidding, obviously. <laughs> but at some point, it's like, oh, God, they're, they're really going to drag me through this agony again. Because even if there is the hope, I know they're not going to deliver on it. So it's like, what's even the point of getting my hopes up if, I'm, if I know I'm going to be let down? But I will be irrational and a rational fan as I always am. So if we do win at West Ham, which I hope we do, I really do, I will be all aboard the European bandwagon. Choo-choo again. We'll bring it back. But uh, as for the match against Villa, look, we got to regroup and play them in a short time. So let's just put this one behind us, bury it, memory hole it, and move on. God, I love this club. I hate it, but I love it. Nilsetis Nisi Optimum. Yeah, yeah, waiting for that to come in. But hey, I still, I look. Still putting it in the long term perspective, we're in a better shape than we were last year and a much better shape than we were two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The Just... holes are not so massive. I, I don't think we're going to come out of the summer window, you know, with the Champions League berth. But I, I, I do feel confident that, you know, the funds will be aw- available. The payroll will be down a little bit, too. And we'll have enough flexibility, I think, to at least have a solid player at every position. I truly believe, believe that. I think so macro view extremely optimistic micro view feel like my heart is getting ripped out of my chest and stomped on this is a bad that note folks thank you very much for listening to the american toffee podcast (laughs) if you would do us a massive favor and if you enjoyed this diatribe and rant of a show please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice if you want to join our discord server that's invite.gg slash atp if you want to find all of the links to all of our stuff social media etc every podcast platform we're on that's linktr.ee slash usa toffee pod check out our stuff on toffee tv as well shout out to baz and ped fifty thousand subscribers massive achievement doing it the right way gentlemen doing it the right way 100 percent but we will be with you next time on this show and until then up the toffees <laughs>